Hello, welcome to episode number 293 of the Apologue Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. This podcast is brought to you in part by AIXDSP.com. Get affordable and useful plugins for your digital audio workstation. Get the IC Intuition Compressor. It's a compressor that gives you a clear and intuitive visual display that shows exactly what is happening to your audio at all times. Click the link in the description for more information. Amazon shoppers. This is a tricky one. I am I don't think my Amazon's broken again, but you can you can try it. The hyperlink is in the description of this podcast. Click on that and 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 bookmark it. And every time you shop on Amazon, you'll be shopping and supporting the show. Now I got booted off Amazon and they stole a hundred dollars from me. I don't know why I put up with this, but it does help the show out and it gives me a gauge in what people are buying. No, it doesn't. No, I, I don't know what you're buying. But it, it allows me to see like if people are actually supporting the show. You know, it's it's a good little benchmark, and I appreciate y'all doing that. So once again, or you can go to applelock.ca and click on the banner located on the right side. Lo- no, you don't have to look at your country because it's only Canada for now. Bookmark the link, and every time you shop, it will support the show, and it costs you no extra money. Here's a big one. Support my work on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with my hosting and gas fees. If i got to travel somewhere, i got to put gas in the van. You know what I'm saying? And you can cancel that at any time. Go buy uh, some a t-shirt, uh, apologue.ca slash shop. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give it five stars, please. Like and share on Facebook uh, by going to facebook.com slash pod. Follow me on Twitter at simonhead666. Um, yeah. Today, I have a dear old friend, Mr. Paul Linklater. Paul and I met, we figured it out, so it was 25 years ago. We met when I used to take my gear across Canada recording bands. Paul was one of the guys that played in a band called Gigvest, and I recorded them a few times, one of which I re- actually remember, and the other one I have no memory of. And I'm, I don't know why. I think we were talking about it. I think there might have been some, some drugs involved, uh, maybe. Who knows? So Paul and I go way back, and Paul actually moved to Toronto almost, I think, almost 20, 18 years ago now. And and he, he also plays in a he plays in the Bedini band. He has his own um, teaching gig where he teaches old and young people how to play guitar. He's a good old prairie boy, and it was nice to talk to a dear old friend, someone who, you know, who, you know, I know I knew a half a life ago. Here he is, Mr. Paul Linklater, on the Apologue Podcast. Hey man, first of all, hey man. <laughs> <laughs> Howdy. It has been last time I saw you, I remember it was at the Cameron House. And oh, uh, yes. and I was doing I was working, I was recording a USS uh, live show. It was one of their nine or seven shows in a row in different venues. So Yeah, yeah. And you were playing in the front room. Yeah, and you guys were conducting like a three hour sound check. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they do. With two people, you need three hours. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, 1. 1.5 hours per person. Yeah, per well, you need, and then together, and then together. You oh, miss, yeah. yeah. Um, we've it's known each other. You have to get it right. Though. Oh, yeah, first you have to get it right. <laughs> you have a, one, a 50-50 chance of nailing it. Just 50-50. Um, yeah, I'm, we, we met, uh, I was trying to, do the math it was like over 25 years ago that we first met yeah. in your house i think it was your house outside of brandon when yeah it was 1995 or six yeah something like that so yeah, 25 years 26 years so we met then and we met through a mutual friend who lived in brandon who put on shows and i'm sorry i forgot his name that's uh, Mike Cockerline. That's right. Okay, Mike. Yeah. He used to work at uh, Top Top Forty. Yeah, and he put Records on shows. 
and uh, he was a good dude. I think he was, well, yeah. you and maybe one other band were the only bands I met out of Brandon from this whole recording thing that I did, uh, where I put things in people's houses and, and record record bands like a lunatic. You would have a band with a mixer and some outboard gear and, you know, two packs of smokes. Yeah. Just come all business. Lots of coffee. In a remote location oh. or a curling rink. This was at the... West End Curling Ring. There was one there, and there was also one out of like a house. Like, oh yeah, that was out of the drummer uh, Ryan Campbell's, out of his uh, trailer. Yeah, a, a double wide. Truthfully, I don't remember the the curling club one. I don't. That was the first one, and it's like we were. You were set up in the like in the little side room where they you change into your skates, and then yeah, you had us in a big circle in the you know, in the hall. And uh, what's the difference? You jammed with us on the first one. Like, I remember there was like a half-hour chemically altered space jam that happened, <laughs> which is kind of like... Maybe that's why I don't remember The whole it. second side of the cassette, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. it's hard to remember stuff from that era. Oh, oh my God. God. Hard to want to remember it. Well, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> who was I talking to the other day? And um, they go, uh, they say something like, I don't remember 1993 to 1995. He doesn't remember anything between those times. <laughs> I'm like, not it, nothing? Like, not at all. And, you know, and truthfully, I'm a little bit the same. When it comes to 93, I'm looking at old things because people are putting stuff on Facebook and I'm going, yeah, that happened then? I thought it happened like two years before or a year after the time they're saying it was. And yeah. maybe that was my life. Is is That's our lives. It's going so fast we don't remember things or it's or we want to block it out or, or something. Yeah, I think there's a little column A and a little column B. Like yeah. uh, the person you were, I think it's like the the narrative in your mind of who you were then doesn't match up with that narrative now. So it, I don't know, it just shuts right down. <laughs> It's tr you know what? That's true. That's a great. That's a great. Um, yeah, understanding of it. Because truthfully, I thought it was just a lot of like travel and just a lot of booze and a lot of drugs and and yeah, and, and that too for sure. Yeah, that that'll do it. Yeah. So, so we recorded. So we yeah, we recorded a couple of demos. And I remember our both both of us we were huge Real Statics fans at the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you were were you writing by letter to Bedini in those days? Because I know I was. Like we were exchanging letters, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, and uh, and going to the shows. I used yeah. to go to see the sh see them as early as ninety three or two, yeah. like when I was in, still in high school, like grade ten and eleven, which yeah. is pretty young to be a Rio's fan. I think <laughs> that's They're true. Like a more at the time, I think they were for people more for people in their twenties, and yeah, you know, they were an older band. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I've always liked older bands. I think, yeah, or like having friends that were older than me, etc. Yeah, and you know, Dave Bedini was so good at returning mail. Like, yeah, big time. Really good at it. Like, you know, you'd write a letter going, "Hey, I like your band," and he'd write you back. You're like, "Well, that's," you know what I mean? Like, it seemed like above and beyond what you know what I thought bands were doing, like communicating with their fans, and you know, always, always had a good communication. <laughs> you know, with Dave and with the band, and I loved watching him play. Cause well, do... the thing is, he's not sending it back on loose leaf. He, was, he would have, you know, a Canadian postcard from 1965 or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, now now that I've, you know, now that I know him, I, I remember one time we were in a junk shop, and he just bought a whole, seeing him, oh, God, I got to get these, just a whole box of old postcards. You know, so he <laughs> he collects the postcards, and then you know it's all it's all part of his process, man. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine it would be funny to put like a Facebook page together of all stuff that Bedini's returned the emails with. Like, though somebody's got to have them somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I know somewhere in that crawl space, there's like all my old stuff when I lived in Winnipeg, and it's in there somewhere, and and I'd have to go find you live it. In Winnipeg? I lived in Winnipeg in 91, 90, 92, 93, actually. I lived there, uh, played in Red Fisher. Yeah, you were in Red Fisher, and, and then later, Trigger Happy? Yeah, well, before I was Trigger Happy, then I was Red Fisher, and then I sort of started working for SNFU for like yeah. five years, and then kept coming through with SNFU, and, uh, and then I would meet bands, and that's how I got my thing off the ground, my recording rig thing, you know, where... 
I would go and I'd see the opening band and I'd say, hey, I like your band. Or I'd talk to the promoter and say, hey, find me bands. I'll come through in like three weeks. And uh, That was so fresh. It was fun. It was fun to do because I had no rent, really. Like, I, I had no real... I didn't need to, you know, I didn't have any real like girlfriend or something. So I was like, good, I'll just go travel around in a van and sleep on people's couches. And yeah, it's, it was a fun thing. And I, th- I don't know who instigated the whole thing. It was either you or somebody from chart that came and interviewed us while we were in the trailer recording. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did you hook that up or was it Mike? Or was uh, it just by fluke? I think the guy, oh, I know what it was. It was Sean Carruthers from Brandon also submitted to chart like so and he he i think he still does stuff like that i think i'm friends with him on facebook that name is very familiar yeah 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 Yeah, he's like he was the manager of the record baron Uh, okay it's all coming together now yeah yeah i thought it was such a cool thing because we found it online i think you found it online years later and sent me like the link because it was on on surviving amazing yeah (laughs) on the internet on the internets um yeah, man. So, so how long before before like from playing in uh, playing in like the Manitoba area? How long did it take you to get to Toronto? I some tells me it was around like ninety seven, ninety eight. Like, well, the first time, the first time I came was to mix a project with you in ninety six. Okay, yeah, yeah. The second project, it kind of I think our second day just went completely off the rails, and we didn't get any vocals. Okay, and it just chemically went off the rails. I think I was too wasted to perform, and then or like we got some takes, but they were like, you know, like strangulated drunk guy takes. <laughs> and then so we rent we rented some ADATs and redid the vocals at our mom and dad's house. Oh. And then I flew to Toronto in like nineties, yeah. And we mixed it at your place. My new place I had at the time, the yeah. place in Ossington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was early days, too. Because like, I only went out one more time after that. With, with Renting that space was just such a, it was such a... It was a leash. So I had to stay in Toronto and record bands. But yeah, Dude, yeah. That you, rent, it's just... Whoosh. Yeah. So then... So when did you... So you came here. Yeah, you flew to Toronto. You, you, you mixed some record... You mixed the stuff. And then... When did you come back full time? Like, when did you move here? To, not here. I'm saying here, like I live in Toronto. 2001 or something like that. Okay. Like after after that, I went to like that band kind of broke up and and Gigvest broke up and and then I kind of went through a phase of being like a janitor and kind of like I kind of bottomed out. Mm-hmm. in Brandon, you know, like, so then I got into university and studied classical guitar. And that's where I met my wife and guys, my friend Doug Friesen that I play with now. And then that whole group moved to Toronto, you know, in 2001 or two or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was like five or six years. It took a while. Yeah. It's a big move, right? To move to the other side of Canada. To a bunch of like, really honestly, you didn't really know anybody. You just knew people, you know, peripherally, right? So it'd be like coming. Yeah, I knew like I knew like three people, <laughs> but like the people I knew were awesome. Like I knew Don Kerr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I don't know if you know what he's like, but it's like I know uh, Ron Sexsmith said there should be a statue of him on Queen Street. It's true because <laughs> he just helps. You know, he's just a world helper. Like yeah. you, you know, if you need help. He uh, so that was knowing him and Bedini, and uh, and then a couple other people from music school. So I knew like three or four people. Yeah. Knew Peter Elkis mm-hmm. from the local Rabbits. Remember and Ben Gunning. So I knew a lot of people from going to shows in Winnipeg. I guess you could say. So it was a matter of kind of piecing that together. But still, yeah, really hard. I feel like I'm still recovering from it. I'm still <laughs> having got used to it. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And in, in in life. Being a city guy, you know, from being a country, basically being in the country, it's um. We were really in the country. Yeah, I remember the. I mean, funny thing, driving to that trailer to that place out in the winter, as I look across and Mike is very very quiet and he's asleep. And we had been on that highway for like three minutes, and he's fully passed out. 
And I go, dude, you're, I thought he was like having a stroke or a seizure or something. Like, he goes, no, dude, whenever I get on the highway, I fall asleep. And he fell asleep like in three minutes. And then we, we I'm like, really? So then we, I think we went and loaded all the stuff in, got some sounds and came back and he fell asleep again. Like we had just gotten on the road to come back to Brandon. And he's like, <laughs> he's like fully asleep again. I'm like, dude, I am so envious of you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a superpower, man. It is. After all the traveling and touring and stuff I've done, I wish I could just do that. Like even the even half of that would be great. You're um, gonna have to you're gonna have to cut out the caffeine. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I know it's funny you say that. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, a, check. It's like you hold on to a big cup. Fifty is the ultimate F word. Yeah, baby. It was me last year, man. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um. So when. So did you travel much with in bands or did you, are you mostly like a homebody with Toronto? Like how do uh, I traveled a fair bit? Yeah. 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 With bands or with a band. With bands. Like I was in, uh, I traveled a lot in Bedini band. Yeah. Playing sideman to, or it's a, it's a band. And, uh, that band has played every, I think, you know, it's like we played in Haida Gwaii or the Queen Charlotte islands and St. John's. Like the the furthest you can go on either side. That's part of I think, just the nature of uh, Dave is he wants to see, he wants to collect stories, he wants to go, he wants to go to Yellowknife, wants to go to Whitehorse, wants to, so. Yeah, didn't he live up like there for a while? Like every every city in Canada. Yeah. Didn't he live up in? He lived up in Yukon or something, didn't he? Yeah, he's he he lived up there and or he lived in uh, Yellowknife. Yellowknife, yeah. And he was, uh, you know, he was writing for their newspaper and working on a book. And uh, he's an adventurer. Yeah. He's more adventurous than your average person, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously traveling with, like, and he's intellectual as well as musically intellectual as well as a good dude. Those are those are tough people. Like, that's a tough person to sort of meet. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can appreciate the fact that there are people that are geniuses with music, but not fun to hang out with. And then there's people who are really yeah. nice, but just horrible, you know. <laughs> yeah, good guy, bad band. And uh, uh, yeah, for sure, Dave. I think, well, like, he's the guy that got us to Toronto, too. We, like, he went to, he, he had moved to Italy, and we, he, they, they needed people to sublet their house. So they, we sublet his house while he was over there. Yeah. And that kind of gave us, like, that gave us, like, a three or four month buffer to figure out how to find our own place. and you know, all the stuff you would have to do. I wish I could have done more. You know, it's funny you say around 2001 because I was out of town basically between 2001 and 2002 anyways. Like, I was on tour. I wish I could have oh, done like more. Would, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, I'm also pretty... I'm terrible at reaching out to people. Like, <laughs> I'm just too... I, I don't want to say introverted, but it's something like that. I'm trying know? to put it together. Like, I think it's something like I saw you and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? You go, yeah, I think you said something like, I live here now. I'm like, what? <laughs> Like, okay. Like, you know, I don't think you really uh, like announced it. Really, I'm trying to put. No, all I did. Yeah. But I had that. You know, I just had. Or you know, like I just we just took the train and showed up at Dave's house, and he left us a list of phone numbers of that had like Don on there, yeah. and and so that really was how we managed it. <laughs> just like a bunch of numbers on a piece of paper, and like oh, and there was email at the time, so you could email people. And yeah. Yeah. It was, or we had. We had flown up. You know what? We had done a trip opening for the Rios for a week at Ted's a year previous. So there was some, yeah, there was like, it was it was not as distant. Right. I think I worked at Ted's around then. Oh, no way. Maybe yeah. that's where we saw each other. Maybe. I mean, from, I think it was 99 and 2000, whenever the first couple of years uh, I was working there, I was just like the, the, the days that Leslie and John didn't want to work. So I would do like two days a week. I, oh, I remember how this happened. I ended up going on tour. I, I was working for Treble Charger. And then Yvonne was like, yeah, I need a guy. So I'm like, okay. And I wasn't that guy. So I ended up, I, I think I got fired. I don't remember how that worked. <laughs> fired by Yvonne, that's funny. Yeah, Fired by Yvonne. Yeah, that's that's my new record. That's my new album. It's going to be called Fired by Yvonne. <laughs> yeah. Good lady, great lady, actually. Um, she was like a big supporter too. Yeah. When, but later on, when she was booking the Elmo, actually, she would always give us slots. Yeah. And we'd have like a draw of like two people. 
Yeah, so like we got two people. She she was definitely somebody like from the for a good ten or fifteen years that built scene. Like she built the scene. Like she helped build that whole scene in Toronto. That indie kind of folky kind of indie rock scene. That's her. Like she, you know, ultrasound days, and then she bob yeah. she bobbed all over the place for for a while. But yeah, yeah, she's uh she's cool. I'm actually doing something with her. You know, hopefully when this fucking plague ends. Um, <laughs> fucking plague. Fucking plague. Bullshit. Wash your hands, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't pick your nose. You know that we're a year uh, at a year anniversary of the 14 day of flattening the curve. For one year into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Good for us, Happy man. Anniversary we're everyone. awesome. Humans are amazing. <laughs> we can figure shit out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so you, so you, so then, so how long did you play in Bedidi Band? It was like throughout the two thousands, or like how how did it all work out? Theoretically, it's still going. Still, know, yeah, once, I guess yeah. Once the pandemic is the fucking over, plague. No. It's yeah. <laughs> once we once we, once we flatten the curve. Well, yeah. Once we've done that, it's you know right back to work. Yeah. Plug, you know, line line check. Bam! Right on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nothing ever happened. <laughs> Actually, I want to invent an app that um, clears Google caches uh, uh, caches from all pandemic-related conversations. Which means I think there'll be like fifty episodes of this podcast will just get thrown out the window because it's like <laughs> everybody's like, you know, I'm really, uh, I'm really reflecting and uh, being becoming more, uh, you know, uh, wise to myself and my body and my feelings and thoughts by staying inside my apartment and not talking to anybody for the past nine months. <laughs> you know, well, for you, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm not crazy. It's the greatest love of all, you know. You gotta <laughs> you or me, just since yeah. what reference you're speaking in. Um, Learning yeah. to love yourself, I mean. <laughs> so, anyways, how are you dealing with this pandemic? Pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty. I I naturally stay in. So yeah, me too. It hasn't been too big of an adjustment, and like uh, I like it. You know. <laughs> Have you found time to find your inner self and write lots of songs? Because that's what everybody else is doing. That, you know, like, yeah. I did that back. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing that before the pandemic. I was doing that during H1N1, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Get with it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you're always been a little bit ahead of your time. <laughs> yeah. um, I just, I'm waiting for, like, all the one-man shows and the, and the, uh, the, the, the independent releases that involve the word COVID in it. I just can't wait. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't wait. You know, there's a, we have a lot to tap into there. You know, all these on the nose lyrics. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I think it's going to be hard actually for songwriters because if you're writing a song, usually you need to frame it as though it was a unique experience. Yeah. And you know, the, the, this is totally not a unique, you know, I nope. think it's pretty hard to, uh, <laughs> yeah. unless you're talking about Amazon was a little bit late and, you know, yeah, I, I was waiting like, for that Amazon package and then a pirate came and stole it. That's my, that's <laughs> the, that's the song. That's the bridge actually is the pirate came and stole my, my, uh, Amazon purchase. Yeah. It's, you're right. Everybody's going through the same thing. So that means we're all sort of on that same common wavelength of like trying to do our bit as a human. But that doesn't relate because obviously you need conflict in song. You need some sort of like yeah. I'm different. It's like my... a unique tragedy. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's just like a generic tragedy. So maybe that's that's the name of my new album, you generic. Could song, yeah, could write a song about how you you know <laughs> how you're not able to write a song about it about the song. Generic. That's the name of my punk band. It's called Generic Tragedy. <laughs> Geriatric tragedy. Our first song is called <laughs> Flatten the Curve. Um, we're going on tour in our van <laughs> from house to house. Yeah. Inner Bubble. That's another song I'm writing right now, Inner Bubble. Um, but yeah, yeah. I tour I teared a fair bit. Yeah. Yeah. Get back to the question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no. Uh was it did you end uh, did you ever do like a tour bus tour or was it like a always van? No, never that level. Just like just, just vans and like a lot of flyouts. Yeah. With Bikini, there's a lot of fly, fly stuff, and uh, I'm not very good at it though. I don't think I'm well suited to it. Bikini, tell you know me. Sir, go ahead. 
Well, I think there's a certain personality that is good at going on tour, and and I think I think I could be that, but I would need to see a therapist or something and develop some <laughs> coping strategies, and then <laughs> yeah, learn to enjoy it. Badini, Badini taught me this great this great uh, thing with such a simple idea. When you're waiting for the plane, is don't go on, and when they call you, wait to the very last minute, then get on the plane. I'm like, that's fucking genius, dude. So like, I've been doing this for years. I saw him at a yeah in Calgary Airport. I, can't, I think I was out with Rusty or something. It was weird. And I saw we we're at the same on the same flight. And I'm like, what do you, dude? Flight's leaving. He goes, yeah, I wait. I'm like, oh my god, that's that's brilliant. What a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> He's not gonna be able to now that you got to check your guitar. You can check your guitar overhead. That strategy is. Uh, you gotta wait. Yeah, you gotta get in there. I mean, you gotta get in there fast. Otherwise, yeah, you gotta get in there with the babies. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> with the babies, the mothers and the babies. It's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, here come the babies with beards and their acoustic electrics. So, so you say you're, you're kind of you need to like for traveling. You like being home, or is it something like what is like the you know touring is is obviously something that's for getting adventure and stuff like that. But that, is that something that sort of bothers you, or like how how does that work out? I think I think like. The longest I ever went was maybe like 27 days or something like that. And I think by then I I was in the mode of it and mm-hmm. I could have gone for – but if it's only like a couple of weeks, I, I feel like it's hard to transition in. Like I think it's about domesticity and like I'm very – yeah, I'm very much – I like to stay in my little studio and just do things here and yeah, just making the transition. And also I think – like if you're if you go play somewhere you're kind of the you're the party that night yeah and then the next night if you go somewhere else you're the party that night and it's like yeah i could only sustain that side of it maybe for a couple of days and then just become really moody and <laughs> no <laughs> you like, uh, yeah you've ex- you've said it well because you're right you're you're out there and people are there to see you and they want to f- celebrate the fact that you're there and you yeah, there's always an after party and, yeah yeah i did this thing in europe where i was traveling and we did the promoters we'd stay at the promoter's house every night and the promoter would always bring a home a case of beer and it would turn into a kitchen party because you just want to hang out with you like the only reason they put the show on wasn't to make money i mean <laughs> yeah. it was to hang out with you know with with these these guys from canada and you're right it was like oh my god i uh I, you know, and by the end of it, the same thing was like, I think it was like three weeks of something. And it was like, okay, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And plus I was driving, I was, <laughs> I was driving the van. So I had to wake up the next day and I was tour manager driver, you know, it was like, fuck it. I'm not doing that anymore. And I actually ended up got halfway through. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to bed. You guys party it up, you know? And, and that's the way it, it you know, you got to really have to draw that line, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where I can see like, if you had your very own separate bus, like, you know how, like, yeah. they'll be there. <laughs> like Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah, like, I can, I can see that, because then you have a place, you could, like, okay, yeah. I can just go here and yeah. have a little quiet time. And <laughs> Oh, man. My mind is moving at a million miles an hour, because it's like, yeah, I never even thought, like, how fucking amazing that would be to, okay, boys, um, the band and the crew, they all travel together. I'm going in this bus. And they did that. I remember <laughs> watching Smashing Pumpkins leave. And there's like, there's Billy's bus. And it's bigger than their tour bus with everybody else in it. Like, <laughs> the Billy bus. Yeah, yeah. I guess, and also just having, when you graduate into hotels where you actually not just sharing rooms with people, that you get your own room. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it feels like a graduation to me that's like, oh, man. That to me is success. It's not the fact that you're in the mancy smancy tour bus. It's the fact that I got my own bed. I can watch my own TV. I can do the stuff I want to do, and I don't have to be quiet because someone's sleeping next to me, or I don't have to tell that person to shut the hell up or listen to them snoring and and all that other good stuff. Like, how do you tell a person they're snoring? You because, throw you your know, shoe at them. You might be snoring later. <laughs> That's true. You throw a shoe like, at them. That's what you do, Paul. So you just throw shoes at each other all night. Yeah, long. yeah. Like, Until you run out of shoes. I guess you have to have. You have to find someone like you can fall asleep like exactly the same time. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> oh man, well I did some shows with Rusty and John Sutton was playing bass and we roomed together and I couldn't sleep because oh, he 
he would be asleep immediately and fucking snore up the joint. And I was like, dude, this is unbelievable. Like, I couldn't believe how loud it was. Like, it was <laughs> jarring how loud he snored. And, yeah, uh, there's, and there's different kinds of snores, yeah. too. Like, there's like... There's both ways? <laughs> there's... Because <laughs> then you snore the other way? I've, 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 I've roomed with them all. <laughs> yeah, you, you paid your dues, man. <laughs> yeah, but now I get, you know, when I work for bands, we all get rooms and it's like, oh, it's amazing. It's so good. It's like, it's incredible. I, I love the fact. Because I remember, you know, days where you're like traveling, like, well, you didn't know where we were staying half the time. And then you're like, I think we could stay over at this one place. And once we were driving into Portland and we played this show to nobody. And this girl goes, hey, you can stay at my house. And I'm thinking, oh, it's her house, but it's not. It's the house she lived in with her parents and her sisters and her daughter and her daughter. And as we're driving to what we thought the house, we're actually driving to pick up her daughter. So she picks her daughter up, and then we all sort of end up at the other side of town where we're at this house. And I'm like, I'm having nothing of this. Like, I'm sleeping in the van. You guys go in and enjoy yourself, because I think there's going to be a father cutting your nuts off in about four hours. <laughs> so I all I remember is waking up and you're like kick, 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 kick. they're running down the road because they were hiding from the father because the father's like who's in this house and they like basically <laughs> broke out of the house and ran down the road with their shoes in their hands and it was Jeez, like please. those are times you're like holy shit why do we put ourselves through that and then graduate to 30 years later I actually can sleep in a hotel and you're like yeah this is pretty good pretty sweet <laughs> I'm not taking this for granted <laughs> yeah man it's uh it's rough staying at people's house for sure. <laughs> oh, it's nice of them, right? It's like yeah, yeah. But at what cost? At what cost? You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I think I don't know. You have to be really. I think you have to be really easygoing and just kind of like, you know, eh, okay, we're gonna be running down the road with our shoes. Cool. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for us to go to. Don't check here. All right. Not bad for thirty years ago, but try like to do it again. Like someone said, "Hey, hey, Paul, we want you to go to uh, on the sketchy tour where the van might not make it there, and uh, there's no shows really booked, um, and there's no real hotels or anywhere to stay. Do you want to go? Like, what would your immediate answer be? Like, fuck, no, no way. <laughs> That'd be mine. No, they wouldn't even ask me though ever. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've... Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, but I mean. Uh... It's part of figuring out who you are, too. Like, I think for years I thought I wanted to do that, and I thought I would. I was like, yeah, I can do that. I'm into that idea. And then the reality is, like, a little different than that, you know, that story. And uh, yeah, I think by the end of my 30s, I figured it out. Kind of like, nah, you're not cut out for any of this. Just start getting some students. And Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, you took up teaching. So what, what are you? T you're obviously guitar, right? Yeah, and songwriting, and yeah. mostly guitar, and then songwriting. It's not really songwriting lessons. It's like, it's almost like a controlled co-writing. So you're coaching someone through, like... Yeah, I guess coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what it is? I mean, it's like I'm a musical Sherpa. <laughs> you know? Just yeah. take some of the baggage off them, and then... They can climb a little higher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a thing, too. I mean, producers are doing that these days where they're actually, instead of pre-production, they're actually paying, like, producers to um, to structure their song properly, you know? Yeah, there's the nuts and bolts, and then there's, there's the psychology of the song. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of times, I think people are afraid to really, like, really... Not guys in bands, like, you know, a guy, a good songwriter will... They'll just dive right in. You know, it's like, uh, I almost feel envious of someone whose life is a catastrophe <laughs> because I feel like I've sucked every single possible song out of any situation in my own life. Like, I've looked at everything. So, like, the idea of, like, someone actually having a tragedy or a divorce or, a, yeah. you know, like, some kind of major thing like that. It's like, yeah, that's going to make, you know, you could write a whole album about just that one thing. And But I think a lot of people coming in, you know, it's, they, they're afraid, not afraid, they just don't have permission, they don't give themselves permission to just dive in. Like, you need to just say, I'm as good as, I'm as good as 
or I'm not as good as, but I'm equal to Bob Dylan or John Lennon. Like, yeah, I'm gonna allow myself to just fully take my life seriously and look at it. And I think, you know, I've got some guys that are accountants and from the corporate world. Their life is interesting. Like the structure of that life, there's a lot of stuff there that can be dissected and, you know, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's almost like I'm giving them permission. Like, okay, just go there. Just, you know, run in that direction. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that idea because you're right, because everybody has their own view of what conflict or tragedy is. And it's yeah. how you explain it, you know, because that's the trick is is explaining it without trying to tell people that it's an actual tragedy, you know. It's it's a, it's a, like almost like you're hypnotizing the listener to think like you. That's what I feel like songwriting is supposed to be. Yeah. When I say words, you're supposed oh. to relate to what I'm saying because you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're not but assuming. I think, a listener, I think a listener can also tell when something is authentic. Absolutely. You know, instantly, and yeah. they may not even. Think of it at that level, but you know they hear some guy that you know looks like he's from Mississauga or something, and he's like, "I've been walking down that lonely yeah. road." And yeah. You're like, "Yeah, get a rest." Yeah, talk talk about what you know, like just yeah. you know, and that'll be that'll be more interesting. Yeah, no roads are lonely, by the way. <laughs> They're supposed yeah. to be filled with cars. <laughs> yeah, man. You go walk into traffic. Yeah, I I I I have a very high. Um, I sense bullshit. Like I, I understand. And I, when someone's trying to fake it, like good Charlotte, you know, like that type of stuff or like, we're so punk. We got class shirts on, you know, it's like, well, yeah. it, there's type of, there's a type of like, yeah, dudes. Like, it's interesting what happened with punk though. Like, yeah, that, you mentioned that generation. It's like, it's so far removed from there's And the there's so many more people in that, that yeah. fake strata of punk that it does like does it even like it almost obliterates it almost becomes its own thing and it doesn't even connect to like Fugazi or you know like yeah. Uh, definitely yeah there's um I I always kind of said like you can be punk in fifty and hold a corporate job like there's nothing wrong like with like it's it's your obviously it's kind of cliche but it is the way you think. You know, and I grew up in punk rock, yet I work for a municipal, you know, city. I work for a city and I, well, I work at a theater in a city, but I still work for what's quote, what, what I'd call me the, the man, you know what I mean? Like, and so you could still kind of be punk rock and, you know, that's who basically people like me who grew up in punk rock, we're kind of running the business right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like in the record business, there's all our, you know, our generation is sort of like older and they're a little more safer, but they still have that ethic of punk. That's behind yeah. them, right? I like that. You can spot it right away. You can tell punk people for yeah. sure. It's just an energy and like there's a vigor. Absolutely. <laughs> like, no, that's true. It's like, yeah. okay. It's like a drill sergeant or something. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Got a punk sound man here. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. The exact opposite is though, is that guy who still dresses like punk, like like the leather jacket and is the back old guy at the back of the club. You know what I mean? Like, he's the old, like, oh, that's old so-and-so. He's been here for 40 years. There's that type of, like, you're still living, like, in a in with, in with a squat with, like, three other dudes. And, you know, <laughs> you have a dog and you wash windows. It's like, there is a time when you kind of have to, like, break away from that, that type of it, you know? Because, you know, I see this all the time. Like, there's givers and takers in society. And we're, we're, spo we're takers. Like, when we're younger, we kind of should be more givers as we get older. How, do you think that's sort of a thing, or? Yes, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's uh, we should be givers as we get older. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, I think it's. I don't want to get too heavy, but it's like it's just like you know, you're over, you're where you are, and yeah. I'm here in Dufferin and St. Clair, but really, you know, we are connected by a whole bunch of little bubbling particles. Yeah. And really it's, we're all just one thing. And to not have a, I think you're supposed to have a role in that one thing. 
like a function. And yeah. and that's I can see what you mean by give. Like there are people that give that you wouldn't like even someone that serves you food at Popeyes. Yeah. If you go to Popeyes and get a chicken, that's a pretty actually like that's actually quite an important role. Yeah. To give her- <laughs> giving them nutrients. Yeah. yeah. And cholesterol. And, uh, <laughs> so there's a utility and and I think a lot of young kids have lost their sense of utility when they're judging older generations. Yeah. Especially, you know, throwing out like now there's the there's a there's a duality of left and right. Yeah. Especially on the internet. But in reality like in physical reality that doesn't exist. Like it's it's not. There's utility. Like if someone, if someone can rescue, like say your car is stuck in the snow and they come along with a truck and pull you out, it's like there's a level of utility there that that uh kind of trumps any ooh, Trump hmm. trumps oh, any yeah uh, <laughs> you know trumps any idealism I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny you say this whole duality and there's sort of polarized points of view. I, I think that's society just being bored. Like, we're just bored. <laughs> like, they got nothing else. Like, we got cars that start them, drive themselves, and we got, you know, we got basements full of drum kits and heat and food yeah. and the fridge. And what else you got? You know what I mean? Like, we're kind of destined in a way as a as a species to sort of kind of suffer a little bit or some somehow have some sort of struggle because yeah. oh, you know a couple thought. of thousand years ago we'd die from malaria or die from the plague or you know but now i feel like we've covered all that like we have shots we have nice vehicles <laughs> you know now what else well i'm gonna get mad at you on the internet because you, you offended me with your you know what i mean it just feels and i'm not saying well, it's, it's wrong it's, i'm not saying it's wrong it's, i'm saying that's the way it is i think it's the internet yeah like i think in that in that forum, there's a lot of anonymity. Yeah. When you're anonymous, you're going to say something. It's the same as when you're driving in a car. Yeah. And you have the glass around you. You're like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. if like if your name with an address were written on the side of the car, it's true. You would you'd be a lot more polite. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> it's true. That's true. Yeah, there needs to be some accountability for hurting people's feelings and when you're on the internet, you know, and, and there's also yeah. needs to be some sort of, obviously you can't, if someone writes in all capital letters, you assume <laughs> they're yelling. But for me, my caps lock sometimes stick. I get halfway yeah. through a sentence looking out like, ah, that's fine. Yeah, just let <laughs> Not go. yelling. It's usually well, <laughs> caps lock, locked on. Um, yeah, well, I think, but also you could, there needs to be, could be more accountability or it could be just perceive it for what it is, you yeah. know, which is, Essentially, vapor. You know, like yeah. the internet. Yeah, it's really nothing. <laughs> it's true. It's the best thing about the internet is that it's got everything on it, and the worst thing about the internet is it's got everything on it. Like, it's how <laughs> it's how you're gonna go and find. That's how I find new music. It's how I meet new people. It's how I learn stuff. And it's tough to find non-biased like news and stuff. But you have to like same thing. I've taken like when I, you know, read news off of the Globe and Mail, and I'm understanding that there's a bias there, or or if I'm reading from the Toronto Sun, there's a bias. You know, there's always a bias of how yeah, sure. the, the angle they're coming at, and that's new. I mean, that's new to me because I always thought, yeah, of course, with print, there was always some sort of like there's a there's a direction this newspaper's going in, there's a direction this magazine's going in, but now there's just more of it because you don't have to. There's no physical copies of it anymore. You could just fucking throw anything on there now you know that's why i like the hard times because it's all fake and it's all funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure i think it's it's interesting i don't get a lot of my news from people like i'll get it from my wife and then that's the lefty perspective and then you know one of my students you know he's this guy he's like 83 and then you hear his take on it and it's you can because you know what the person is yeah but if someone's writing it online you don't know what kind of dingbat they are yeah. you know like you really <laughs> it's you got to take everything with such a grain of salt and it's kind of sad when you see younger people they believe in the internet yeah. like they really they really believe in it and uh, i think you know that 
that's just vulnerability. Like, I think older, I'm not cynical, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I always want to know, like, what is really going on? That's always the number one question. I feel like any situation, like, okay, what is actually happening here? Yeah. And maybe that's cynical, but at the same time, I'm idealistic. I'm a pretty heavy lefty. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm I, a uh, communist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I usually vote for communism. But, like, uh, um, yeah, it's interesting times. I think uh, I think it'll the internet will grow out of it, though. You know, like, it's just hitting a rough patch. It's like having a rough six or seven years. Because well, it used to be a lot more, yeah. it used to be a lot lighter. Yeah. Used to be cats hanging uh, on the branches, and you'd be like, "Hang in there." Yeah, like there was a novelty factor yeah. that is worn off, and now check it's out. Like, it's my food. I got food here. The food here, <laughs> and the ever so popular humble brag, which is like, "I'm so tired. I have to fly to L.A. and have a meeting." Like, it's like yeah, it's a humble brag. <laughs> the yeah, uh, no, the the internet. You're right. There needs to be a watermark put on your world and on your life when you actually start c commenting on things. And start yelling at empty in the empty rooms that people are like, oh, that's the guy that does this thing. There needs to be some sort of like timestamp on your inclusion on things. And then therefore I could get a better perspective. Say if you're ranting constantly on Twitter and I read one of your tweets and you have fifty more like ready to go, it should know by proxy, like by sort of like looking at all these things you've done already, you probably don't want to be involved with this. You know what I mean? Like type of thing. <laughs> And that's yeah, called or there could be platforms that yeah. that have rules, you yeah. know, like or like there could be a test that you have to pass that's to true. get into it. People I mean people could call that censorship at the same time. Uh, you know, but then again, Twitter isn't the spot for what's you know, it's not obviously it's, it kicked the monster off, you know, with the orange face monster off. But there's like <laughs> but there's like there's they've they have their limits, obviously. But but it doesn't stop every old person with an egg to just tweet out random crap just to get attention it's got nothing probably half the time they don't even think what they're thinking and half the time it might even just be a fake thing doing things just to get you me riled up let, they should let uh, mr orange back on i don't know like because like they could they could do a thing where like he's on a uh, probation like <laughs> like you know if he if if it gets too inflammatory just yeah. take it immediately down yeah. Because there is a certain value in knowing what's going on in his head, like yeah, there it's kind of important to know where he's at right now. Well, yeah, Maybe there, for another yeah. couple of years at least. Like, uh, yeah, I'm on two sides. I'm like somehow you remember I was talking about erasing all COVID talk, like off the internet. Maybe just erase the past four years that has his name in it, <laughs> the man who shall not be mentioned. And then, but then again, if we didn't know what true evil was, we probably you know if we. If we didn't know who Hitler was, we wouldn't know true evil. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so you kind of somehow need to know, like, to, to yeah. your point, you kind of need to know what a monster is doing and thinking so you can actually be, get your idea about what it is rather than just surmising what the fuck he's going yeah. through. And also, I feel like life is not so linear. Like, there's the bad stuff that, there's the bad side of Trump, but there's, there maybe he has a function that's positive like mm -hmm. it means everybody needs to strive to be better yeah or he always had the, the best cocaine as, uh, at the Wall party guys yeah like, this big money guys like yeah you know they're in the american economy especially like they're like a parasite or whatever but at the same time it makes okay well it means everybody has to be more vigilant everybody you know it's it's it has a positivity every i always feel like every negative thing has you're right like there's a balance yeah and uh yeah i don't know what my point was no no it's true there's it needs you're right you kind of like put it yeah i always thought well you know i always made this joke at shows when bush was president i'm like you know y'all hate him <laughs> but he's probably a really good guy like you don't you know what i mean you don't know him <laughs> i don't know him but he's probably really cool he probably has all I'm the sorry. best drugs and he has all the greatest booze like he's probably the fucking cool dude to hang out with and don't <laughs> deny it <laughs> yeah or like it could you know, like, you know, say there was some aliens coming to take over Earth and they were scanning our media and they saw Trump. Maybe they would be like, okay, you know, this is not worth it. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's, let's go to that other planet of Alpha Centauri, you know, take, the, a, 
Let's go with option B. This looks like it's not yeah. going to be as fun as we thought. Let's go get the easy one, the one where they're all thinking the same. Let's get that one because it'd be easy to control them. Yeah, we got lunatics with rebel. They they can't even decide on what flag to use. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't even know what we're, what we're on here. Oh, no, I gotta no. get, get ready to teach some guitar pretty soon. Yeah, um, me too. I gotta go to work soon. Um, um. Well, anyways, you have a new song, and I'll I'll post the link to it. And uh, it's a great song. I love it. Oh, thanks. It's very nice. Thanks, it's man. love the this compassionate. It's passionate. It's got all the passionates in it. So, uh, <laughs> it's cool. And it's good to hear your voice. And um, yeah. Let's uh, let's not be strangers. Feel your energy. It's you seem the same, man. Yeah, thanks, man. You too. No, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Cool. Good. Bye. And that was Mr. Paul Linklater. Oh, what a what a nice person. What a good soul. He hasn't changed a bit. His hair's gotten longer. He's got a goatee. But apart from that, it's completely the same. Same old guy. Same old guy. And you know what? We are still. At most times, that same old guy was that same old person that we were. And, and yeah, I really appreciate Paul doing the show. I've always kind of wanted to have Paul on the show, and, and, and I don't know why I never asked him sooner. Here we are, knocking down the door, 300 episodes. Um, I just did one, actually, that'll come out next week. It's with a, a guy named Nadeve who plays in a band called Kids Insane. Go check out their album. Well, actually, it's not out yet. It'll be out by the time this comes next week. It'll be out next week. Yeah band from Tel Aviv from uh, Jerusalem international anyways what are we doing what's going on um I will be starting my ride to conquer cancer I will be posting things about that on Facebook please please feel free to donate um doesn't matter where you're from just donate to that ride to conquer cancer and if you help me out I'll be putting links up eventually on my on the Facebook page as well as my personal Facebook page as well as maybe Twitter babbling everybody thank you so much for listening to the show wash your hands wear a mask Um, thank you for listening to the show every week i really appreciate it and we will see you next week adieu um see ya backwards of